Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. If you're online, we're really glad you're here with us as well. Um, it's kind of embarrassing for me to admit this, but um, recently I uh, had a wound from second grade come back to wreak havoc on me. Um, let me take you back. So second grade, uh, it was a good day at Waynedale Elementary School in Waynedale, up in Fort Wayne, uh, and I was walking home from school from that good day on a nice summery day, um, and in front of me was my friend who lived a couple houses down, and he was walking in front of me, and I'm walking behind him, and all, we got about halfway there, and that's when everything happened really quick. Um, I found myself on my knees and on my hands um, staring at uh, pieces of my tooth that were on the yard uh, in front of someone's house. Uh, and as a second grader, I, I was panicked. I didn't know that my tooth was out there. Like I, and last time I knew it was like right there. And so uh, I ran home crying and eventually got a, a, a little cap thing put on my, my front tooth. You see, what happened was my, my friend... Uh, he, he apparently ate a big lunch because he had one of those big plastic, just, you know, you go to a construction site, you might see a bunch of these uh, grown men eating a big lunch. But he had one of these, he was just swinging it, you know, it should come with like a caution warning label. Maybe kids should, you know, over, over fifth grade shouldn't be able to, uh, should only be able to use these. And, and he hit me in the face with that. And that's where my tooth went and shattered. Um, so that, that went on and like I, I was, I was good as new, relatively speaking, cause you know, still got this to work with. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, uh, some of you guys laughed too hard at that. I'm offended. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, so second grade and then everything's flowing. We're fine. You know, tooth wise, uh, had some cavities along the way. But then when I was 19, I found myself as a server at Bandito's up in Georgetown in Fort Wayne. And, uh, we had these big server trays, right? Because you put on the food and you walk out because you, you know, you can balance and you know your stuff. And when you train, you drop water on people's head. But after that, you get that out of your system. And hopefully you don't drop one of those fajita things on someone's head because that would not feel good, right? Not that I've ever seen that happen. Uh, so so uh, me and my manager, she's supposed to be the mature one. Um, uh, we were uh, playing around and I'm a, I'm a, like, I try to be a fun person to be around. Uh, but she took it too far. I, she was grabbing one of my, my server tray, and uh, she decided to let go of that, and that came uh, and hit me in uh, my face, and guess what it hit? My now half-fake tooth, right? Uh, and it shattered it, and uh, I did not leave work crying, but I left work very angry uh, because my manager did that to me, but perk out of that was workers' comp. <laughs> uh, because then I got that fixed up, and uh, that was good for a number of years. And then about four years uh, ago, I started noticing something on my gum above the tooth, um, and, and it's just something you don't expect to be on your gums. Okay, it was just this TMI coming. All right, you've been warned. Um, I I started noticing this like zit thing on my gum above my tooth. I didn't know that that was supposed to be there. I had plenty on my face, but none on my gums. Right. And uh, I started noticing that. I'm like, what are you going to do? Well, of course, you're going you're gonna to pop it, right? <laughs> like, you're going to do that. Ooh, this is disgusting. Uh, and so this just, like, kept coming back. I know, TMI, I'm sorry. Uh, not sorry at all. But um, so, 
later, like, uh, and I didn't get it checked out. It was just kind of like one of those things manageable. Well, when we moved here, I started going to the dentist again, started trying to be a responsible human being. Um, and I mentioned, because it, it stopped doing that for a while, and I just mentioned it to my dentist, like, hey, just so you know, like, this thing has happened before. Um, and, and she was like, okay, well, I'm going to write you a referral. This is a different referral than when I got in school, you know, like you get in trouble. Uh, so I was able to go, like, she gave me this nice piece of paper I was supposed to take to this dentist specialist. Now, if you don't like going to the dentist... You certainly don't want to go to the dentist specialist person. Like, he has a cool name for it. I don't even remember what it was. But uh, I held on to that piece of paper because I liked it so much for two years. I just held on to it. It was like a very nice piece of paper. Um, I could put it off. Well, recently, I decided to make that appointment, and I went down to see this dentist specialist guy. Okay. I expected the day to go pretty smoothly, like maybe you come in, do the thing where he looks at my face and looks at my, you know, my teeth and my gum and be like, oh, well, there's nothing there. I mean, there's gum, but you know, like this is not a big deal. There's no zit there. So I guess, you know, it'd be fine. Maybe take an x-ray to make sure. That's what I thought it would be um, that day. Well, that's, I, I was not expecting what happened next. Okay. So uh, they've been trying to tell me like, oh, there's this 3D image thing that you can get done. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, how much does that cost? Well, an extra hundred bucks. Well, I don't want to get that unless I have to. And so he looked at the x-ray and was like, yeah, there's a problem spot right up here. So I want to get that looked at. And so he did the 3D thing, you know, paid an extra hundred bucks for it. And it went around your face. And, and y'all, the image that this brought was not some black and white uh, x-ray thing. I saw my skull, like my legit Skull, like Halloween version of me, you know, and and above my tooth, y'all, was a hole in my face where a hole was not supposed to be. So like there was this infection. That's what it was. That that's it. it was infection. And it had slowly over the years eaten a hole into my skull. Because I, I put it off. See, I bought into the lie that because I didn't see the symptom on the surface that it was resolved like it just kind of fixed itself um, you know infections are a lot like the lives that we believe they're under the surface they wreak havoc on our lives underneath we don't always see the effects it's always sometimes hard to notice the lies that we believe but sometimes we are given a glimpse of the effects that it has on us See, last week we started a new series called battle zone fighting to let christ renew our minds because it is a fight because we talked about how a lot of times sometimes for some of us, there's a battle, it seems, in our minds, right? And the reason that it sometimes feels like a battle is raging in our minds is because that's exactly what's happening. We have an enemy who's seeking out to trip us up and take us out and put lies in front of us, disguising them as truth so that we would believe the lie versus believing the truth. And when you believe a lie, you live as if it's true and it doesn't work out well for your life. But there is hope because we saw last week in Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So we talked about how we can be renewed, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, but we have to fight. We have to join God in this fight to let him renew our minds. And the first step we talked about doing, if you weren't with us last week, is identifying the lies that we believe. But here's the thing. If you if you did the work, and hopefully you did the homework if you were here last week and, and you're here now, hopefully you did the homework and, and you started to wrestle with what are the things that I believe that I ought, that I ought not to believe because they're lies from the enemy. 
And you started to notice that. But here's the thing. If you're going to win this battle, you can't just identify the lies. You have to do something with the lies. You have to wage war on them with God's word. You have to wage war with the truth of what God says so that that can become the loudest thing in our minds. So we're going we're gonna to take that step today to wage war on the lies that we believe. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, and, and in verse 1, in 2 Corinthians 10, this is what Paul says. Now I, Paul, myself, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble among you in person, but bold toward you when absent... I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we are behaving according to the flesh. Verse 3. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. So something we should all understand about Paul and the Corinthian church is this. Uh, they don't always get along. Uh, if you've encountered a bad church in your day and time here, just understand the Corinthian church was far more dysfunctional than anything you've ever seen here, okay, uh, on this earth. Like, you've, it's far more, uh, like, you got, you got people, uh, sleeping with their step parents, just not advisable, and everyone's like, oh yeah, it's cool, like, no, no big deal. Uh, you got people who are like, yeah, I'm with this person, I'm with this leader, I'm with that person. And Paul, so he kind of has to take this posture of correction, of correcting what they're doing, because they are, uh, not living the life that God's called them to live. We'll just say that. And so Paul oftentimes is coming against them in their beliefs and their misbehaviors and all this stuff in the letters that he writes. And then what they, they complain about is like, oh, Paul, you've been, you've been so bold with your, your words, uh, in your letters. Like you make us, make us convicted. And then you, you're like all loving when you're in person. And Paul's saying, hey, um, yeah, like I'm trying to get you to follow not me, but Jesus. So if I come to you with boldness, it's because it's for your good. It's because of the authority that God's given me as an apostle. That's what Paul would be saying. And so, so Paul, again, is now turning their attention to a lot of the lies and the arguments that people around them and they themselves have believed that have built up this fortress of thoughts that keep them from receiving the knowledge of God. Um, see, he wants them to understand that there is a war going on. And that war is going to go on whether you and I realize it or not. But if you want to win in the war, and the war is against you, then you have to at least be aware that there's a battle being fought. And in that, you have to be willing to put on some armor. So this is what Paul says. We talked about this last week. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. Paul says to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. He's saying, hey, there is a war. You need to put some armor on. You need to understand that there is an enemy, and he is uh, playing out schemes to try and trip you up and take you out. Because he does not want you to follow Jesus. He does not want you committed to Jesus. He does not want you to follow him as king. He does not want you to see yourself as a soldier of his. He does not want you to see yourself as that. He wants you to see yourself... As the world sees you. He wants you to see yourself as what you've been seeing yourself as since a kid because someone said something about you or you started to believe something because of some experience, some trauma that you faced. And so Paul is wanting us to take on this war. Uh, and this is what he says in verse 4. He says this, Since the weapons, 
So we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. So Paul gives us this picture that there is, we don't wage war according to the flesh. We don't, we don't need to pick up, take up pickets and axes and, and knives and swords and, and guns and like that's not the war that we're, we're called to fight right now. He's, what he's saying is there's a different kind of war happening and it's a little bit under the surface. Sometimes you don't notice it and that's one of the reasons why it can take you out so easily. Because sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes we forget about it. And so Paul wants us to be readily understanding that there is a war going on. But any war that you fight, if you're in the middle of the war, if you're the one fighting, then you've got a weapon that you need to have, right? You've got to have a weapon to fight it with. And and Paul says that these weapons that we fight with, they are powerful through God to take, to demolish strongholds. They're powerful through God for the demolish, dem, to de- demolish strongholds. So um, think about it like this. Um, if we have a weapon, we've got to know how to use it, right? Uh, when Sometimes when my kids, they want to play out front. Sometimes we play out back and play in the play set and all that stuff. And, but sometimes we play out front and they want to ride their bikes or throw the frisbee or throw the ball or whatever. Um, and every now and again, my kids will notice I've got a, I've got like, Three different hockey sticks, one's four outside on the street, okay? And they'll notice that and they want to play with it. Well, um, I've never trained them how to use the hockey stick. They know what it looks like. They've seen me use it on the ice or a hockey stick anyway. Um, and so they, they see the concept. They want to get it down and they want to hit stuff with it because that's what you do with a hockey stick, right? Um, so I, I'll get them down and, you know, I'll give them the stick and I'll, I'll, I'll basically show them the grip they need to have. Uh, so they kind of get the idea. But I've not trained them on how to use it, really. They're not really interested in that yet. Um, but, you know, can I just admit something? Can I be really honest? They're not very good. <laughs> like, like, they're just not very good with the hockey stick. Like, I, if I have the hockey stick in my hands, I can do more with it. Because I, I, I'm not that great, but I can do better than them, right? And that's to be expected because you wouldn't want me acting like them with a hockey stick, you know, just hitting people on the side of the head, right? Um, let me ask you this. Um, the weapon that we've been given as followers of Jesus, can you use it? And you may be like, well, what's the weapon, Brandon? This is what Paul says in a different spot. In Ephesians six seventeen. he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So in this armor of God stuff that he's talking about in Ephesians 6, he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's given us all these different imagery of the kind of armor that we have, right? And, and all of it is, is either defensive or to like just keep things all in place. You know, you got the belt of truth, the, the shield of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. You got the helmet of salvation. And then he's, he gives us one offensive weapon. And that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, some, some Christians, um, they are aware of the sword, but the only time they pick up the sword uh, is on Sunday morning for an hour or maybe an hour 15 if Brandon talks a long time, right? We just pick up the sword like, oh, this is nice. 
That's oh, that's cool. Like oh, that's a cool. Ah, oh, that's sharp. Ah, oh, that hurts. You know. And then we just light, we put it down the rest of the week, and then we come back on Sunday and 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 do some sword work again with it. Others, others of us, like uh, of Christians, we 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 do some stuff with the sword. Like we know all the specs, and we like, we know a lot of stuff about it, right? We know. We know like how long it is. We know like the kind of grip we're supposed to hold it with. We, we know all the like little etchings. We know all the little specifics. We, we might even know how to sharpen it, but, uh, that's where it stops. We just know a lot about the sword. It just kind of, we got some in our house. We got some like on a coffee table, you know, we got some on the nightstand. We got some on the end tables. We got swords all throughout the house, but we don't know how to fight with it. Some, some, some followers of Jesus, they, they have a sword. And they pick it up and they know how to fight with it. That's what we need in this conversation of winning the war that's going on inside of our minds. This battle that's raging inside. If you don't know how to use your sword, the one weapon that God's given you, then we will fail in this battle. Because if you are believing lies and you have no way to fight against those lies, then you will continue to live those lies out as if they are true. And Paul is saying, hey, you need to understand this is important. These weapons are for the demolition of strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is all of the stuff that is raised up that keep us from receiving the knowledge of God. He says there, we, we demolish strongholds. We, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. They're all of the things that we believe, the perspectives that we have, the narratives that we play out, the triggers that we have that take us down a bad, pla- bad path. They're the experiences that we've had that we know have been against God. And we started to believe a lie in light of that because we didn't have any other way to interpret it. We didn't do enough sword work. And we've been dealing with that ever since. What Paul is saying, there are strongholds that all of us have built up. A stronghold is a fortress. Basically, like in the ancient world, like if you wanted to keep your city safe, you built up a wall around you, right? A fortress so that when people come against you, they've got to go through the wall to be able to harm anyone inside. Well, what Paul is doing, he's flipping that imagery from a positive thing to a negative thing. And he's saying that all of us, because we are always being discipled by the culture uh, and, and, and the things that we start to believe, the lies, we have built up a stronghold, a fortress that keeps us from believing the truth of what God says. Think about this. When, if you, Hopefully you've done a little bit of work and you've identified some of the lies that you believe. When you are believing a lie... How easy is it for you to believe the truth of what God says about you? How easy is it for you to believe that God loves you, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that God is present when you're believing a lie? Can I just be honest? Like, it's hard, right? Like, it just makes it to where a lot of times in life, if I'm just being honest with you, the lies sometimes on the audio mix of our lives, the lies are higher. They're louder. That that's what we hear oftentimes. And we have to fight against it. We, we throw in, okay, we got to do some sword work. we got to see what the truth of what God says about it. And then we leave. And then it's always those lies playing on repeat in our minds, right? That's what we wrestle with. That's the battle that is raging inside of us. And, and, and the, the kind of practical way, is how scientists understand this is, uh, if you do some brain science, I like understanding the way God has designed our bodies to work. And one of the things that is important is brain science. And uh, what's happening in our minds when we believe lies that we've believed for a long time and that they always seem to come back for some reason, 
is that we have developed what's called neural pathways. Um, see, our, our, our brain's always changing. Every thought we have creates, if it's a new thought, it creates a new, a new uh, spot in our brain. And that can go down a pathway and you believe uh, enough lies that can create some ruts in your brain. This is what Craig Rochelle says in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Who's, he's done some research with uh, neurologists and people, brain scientists, those people. Uh, they, they're much smarter than us, you know, so we have to quote them. So this is what he says. Every thought you have produces a neurochemical change in your mind. Your brain's always changing. He says, your brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. The brain is a command center that directs the parts of your body through neurons. Neurons link together to create messages. The same message sent multiple times will create a neural pathway. The presence of a neural pathway makes a thought easier to think and makes it easier for your body to send that same message again. So if the lies that we believe are creating these neural pathways then it's no, no surprise then when we are triggered and we go down the same path, we find ourselves in the same place we've always found ourselves. It's not a surprise. We can just see it playing out. But neural pathways, like this whole thing of our, of our brain, like it's, it's actually a good thing uh, because if that means if, if we can create a neural pathway from a lie, then we can also create one from truth as well. So, like, think about this. Think about it like this. Um, these are things that kind of happen automatically, right? Um, so, uh, when you sit down, and, and for those of you who can drive, you sit down in your car, think about, like, literally how many things you do on autopilot. B- back in the day, right, when you were learning how to drive, um, how many things did you have to remember to do that wasn't automatic? Right? Let's just, let's just play it out, right? You gotta unlock the door. Like, that helps. Uh, open the door. You got to get in. You know, some of us, we can just plop in. Some of us, we got to go a little slow, you know. Um, and we sit down, and what else do we got to do? Hopefully, we put on like a seat belt or something, right? Uh, if, if we're fancy, we've got a little button that we can press. But others of us, we got to put the key in the ignition and turn it. You know, we got to start that. We got to make sure that the, the brake is pushed in when we're doing that. If you got a stick shift and you're living life like that, which is awesome, uh, you got to put the clutch in and the brake, and then you got to turn it on, you know. Amen. Um, and so, uh, and then what do you got to do? You got to make sure the mirrors are correct. Like you just do this on auto, on autopilot. Um, if you're if you're ready to go somewhere and the car started, you know, thank the Lord. Um, we put it either in reverse or drive, depending on what's around us. And we look around, make sure that we're not going to run over any kids who are trying to play with a hockey stick, you know. Um, and then we we try to make sure that we're not going to hit any cars. We look both ways, and and these just things just kind of happen, you know. Hopefully, we're people who use turn signals, and you know, we don't make other people mad. Um, and we we use that, and so like all these things are happening on autopilot. We don't think about it. We're just like, we're thinking about like what podcast we're listening to, audiobook or music we're listening to. We just, this is what we're doing. We ain't focused on it. We just happens. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of what God's designed our, our brains to be able to do. Like we can do things on, on like our subconscious. The problem is, is that some of us, we believe lies so deeply that those things happen on autopilot too. Have a, have a trigger. That's where we go. Have a thought, that's where we go. Coping mechanism, initiated, not healthy, we go there. And so let me just propose that, that maybe for some of us, that we have lives that have been uh, etched in our heart and our mind since childhood, since some traumatic experiences. Um, we need to let our Heavenly Father reshape what we believe is true. To reshape the things that we believe. To reshape what we went through in light of God's truth. 
So you can create a new neural pathway, and that is a good thing. And, and what does Paul say? We take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, this, this endeavor is going to require courageous curiosity. Courageous curiosity. Because you got, like, how often do you think about what you think about? Right? I'm going to get real meta right now. You know, I'm going to think about what I think about. We don't, like, often do that, right? Some of us do. Some of us don't. And, and what we need to do is to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And if we don't think about what we think about, then we have no hope in being able to do that. Because what he's saying is that we've, we've got to actually get out of the autopilot mode for a minute and recreate some new neural pathways. So uh, I want to make this real practical. Here's your takeaway for the day. This is it. The renewal of your mind begins with waging war on the lies you believe with the truth of God's word. That's, that's, this is the step. We can't just stop with identifying the lies. We have to, the renewal of our mind begins with waging war on the lies we believe with the truth of God's word. So last week I gave you a, a number of lies that some of us may believe, right? Some that I believe, some that maybe you believe. And so what I want us to do is do a little case study. Okay, you guys ready? This is going to be so fun. Be so... Yeah. Thank you. All right. Aaron's, Aaron's dialed in. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, he works here. He has to be dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's the lie. Here's the first lie we're going to talk about. I am what I accomplish. I am what I accomplish. Maybe you've never said that to yourself, but maybe that is the lie you believe. If I'm not achieving, if I'm not acquiring, if I'm not uh, uh, accomplishing my goals, then I am not valuable. I am not worthy. I am not going to be happy. I'm not going to be joyful. I'm not going to be able to experience uh, peace because I'm not accomplishing. I am what I accomplish. Well, how do we combat that with the truth of God's word? Well, Second Timothy one nine. Uh, there's so many places we could go, but here's one. This is what God's word says. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. The this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So it's not just like, okay, we believe, we have this lie. I wrote down my lie in my journal and I'm going to go to God's word. I'm going to read this verse once and bam, I'm done. <laughs> Waged war like a boss, you know, that's not the end of the story. We have to actually uh, dwell on this, meditate on it and let this seep into our soul. And so like, what does that mean then? Like, really think about it. I am what I accomplished. No, 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 no. Why? Because he's saved us and called us to a holy life. Not. Because of anything you or I have ever done. We didn't get to accomplish it. In fact, his grace was given to us. Given. You didn't accomplish it. You just got to receive it. And so you are not what you accomplish. You are what God says about you. So you can take this passage. And you can, if it's true about you. Then you can make this personal to you. I... As a follower of Jesus, I'm saved. I've been called with a holy calling. I've called to a holy life. And and that is true, not because of something I did or didn't do. But instead, I've been given grace by Jesus. It's been a gift. So today, I'm going to receive that gift. See, meditation in a lot of contexts is like consumed with uh, the, the emptying of your mind. Like you just got to get everything out, you know, and you'd be like an airhead, 
you know. But what Christian meditation is about is getting all the secondary, ancillary, tertiary things out of the, the frame of mind and filling ourselves with what God says about us. Filling ourselves with the truth of what God says. And that takes time. That takes intentionality. That takes a fight. Because we have to be courageous enough to go to that place that is our lie and combat it with truth. Too many of us, we, we let our lives be over there and we just don't attend, we don't want to attend to them. We just, it's better off if we just ignore it just like I did with my tooth. That ain't gonna work out. And it hasn't been, right? So let's, let's do another one. If I'm not busy, I'm lazy. If I'm not busy, I'm lazy. It's just one or the other. If I'm not busy, I'm lazy, a lazy bum. Well, this is what God's word says. Uh, in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, that seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. In other words, God's saying, hey, yeah, do some work. Like, go and get it. Get after it. Go and do that for six days. Uh, maybe you work a five-day work week. Guess what day six is? Get the chores done, you know, clean up the house, do the dishes, mow the lawn, all that stuff. But on the seventh day, even if the stuff's still out and it's like a mess and you got people coming over and all that, like, it's fine. The Lord's saying, hey, um, it's not a if you're not busy, you're lazy kind of deal. But, hey, you need rest. And if you don't live like that, it's not going to be good for you. See, the Ten Commandments have been given to us for our good. God say, hey, this is best for you. It's best not to murder someone. It's good, right? Don't steal stuff. Oh, hey, you should rest. That's the one we have the hardest time with, most of us. And so he's saying, hey, uh, get it all done. But even if you don't get it done, this is a day set apart for the Lord for you to rest and to enjoy his presence. And it's hard, it's difficult, and it's not the way our culture works. But if you are always busy then maybe you're not being faithful to what God would say for you. So busy doesn't need to be a badge, but the Sabbath needs to be observed. Um, here's another one. I'll never be able to break this bad habit. I'll never be able to break this bad habit. Uh, this habitual sin, I, I, I just can't, I can't shake it. I've tried. I've done a lot of things. I've, I've worked at it, and, and yet it still keeps creeping back. I cannot break this bad habit. I just can't. I've tried to fight. Yeah, I've lost every time. Well, what, is, what does God wor- God's word say? He says this in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, the problem is we tend to try to break bad habits through our willpower. And y'all, they won't work. Um, we need to recognize that there is an old us. And sometimes that old us we can put on today and be like, well, this is, you know, it feels familiar. But what Paul is saying, hey, put that off, take that off, put it over there, put on the new self that is shaped by what God says about you and holiness and righteousness, and you can move forward in truth. But this is not a one-day kind of deal, right? Like, what does he say? He says, uh, 
you need to, you need to put, put off the old self and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self. Guess what, y'all? That's a lifelong endeavor. It's, it's going to be something that you're going to have to fight for it. You have to, you have to do the battle. It's not going to just be one day. Maybe God will do that for you. Like maybe you got a habitual sin and, and, and you ask God, God, please take this away from me in my life. And then he does it right there. Like that is awesome. Good for you. That is amazing. Praise God. But for the rest of us, that may not be your story. It may be that you have to have enough courageous curiosity enough to where you're going to go to the place of why am I doing this? What am I trying to accomplish through this? And maybe, just maybe, you need to go and get some other help. Maybe you need to go to your to, to someone around you you trust and know loves you and has have them help you. Or maybe you need to take the bravest step that you can do, the one that there is no shame involved in, and go see a counselor. Go, go to someone who is trained to be able to help you navigate these things because that is not happening in a vacuum. It's coming from a lie that you believe and a need you're trying to meet. And the reason you keep going back to that is because it's not meeting the need. And so what he's saying is th- there's this old self and a new self and the endeavor of putting on the new self is not just like, well, one day I trusted Jesus and I prayed and I was baptized and, and that's it. Yay me. No, this is, a, this is a lifelong endeavor to put on the new self and to be shaped by him, by the renewing of our mind. Another lie is this. No one really cares about me. When they do give me attention, they're just being nice. And this is particularly uh, twisted because it's not just a lie, um, but it also has some narrative built around to it. What, what I've noticed in my life, and I'm sure you've noticed this too if you've been doing the work, is that it's not just a statement of a lie that you believe, but it's a whole narrative, a whole storyline that you believe, that you've, that you've built up to keep this lie alive, right? So it's not, it's, no one really cares about me. I guess that's just, just a lie. And even when someone is nice to me, it's not because they actually care. It's a, it's, a, it's a narrative that we create so that we can push away the truth that maybe, just maybe, there are people who care about you. And so what does it look like to step into what God's word says? This one's hard. This is what this is what God's word says. John thirteen thirty four. Jesus says, "A new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another." Understand that didn't have anything to do with any other people. Um, a a bad place that a lot of us go, and I'm guilty of this too, is where we attribute motive inside of someone else. When I mean, how many of you? <laughs> know what's on the heart and mind of someone else. How many? No. None of us do. Sometimes you don't even know what's on your heart and mind of yourself, right? Let's be honest. But that's what we do, right? Someone doesn't do something or someone does something and we start to attribute motive to them. Well, that's just because they hate me. It's because they don't like me. It's because they're trying to do this thing. And we start to spin around narratives. And, and what God's word is really focused on is helping us to control what we can control. And that is how we deal with others. I mean, think about it. Uh, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Uh, was there ever a time that you didn't love Jesus? Yeah. I, Jesus loved me before I ever loved him. Uh, he... he he loved me far before me, loving him. Uh, and this is what else, Isaiah 41.10, you can put this in there too. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
Um, so what does this look like? Well, it looks like saying, okay, God's with me. I know he cares about me. I know he loves me. And even if other people don't care or love or maybe they're not showing that, um, what I know to be true is that I'm called to love them regardless of what they treat me like. Because Jesus said last time I checked, he said, hey, uh, even love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We're, we're called to do that. And that's hard, right? It's hard when you don't feel the love coming from other people. But think about this. Because we need to take this a little bit, some more steps. In all of these, you take some steps forward um, because you start working out what is true, what is not. Um, just think about all the people you care about in your life. Just, you know, it's, it's a big number, I would imagine, right? What's your sociopath? You know, we'll talk about that. Uh, you probably care a lot about a lot more people than you've expressed that care to in the last week, right? Like, have you told every person you care about in the last week that you care about them? And if you have, it's either a short list or you're, like, winning at life, you know? <laughs> and so what, what if it's possible that there are people who care about you, maybe they just haven't expressed that care in specific ways recently? That is the truth. Let's take this another step forward. Um, think about all the people who cared about you in your past. How many people have cared about you in your past? Have there been people who have shown care and love to you in your past? And yet you still believe that lie. It's because you've pushed that aside to lift up the narrative that no one cares about you. But here's the thing, church. Like, this is just, I want to give you, get you working these muscles. Like, how do we fight with the sword against the lies that we believe? We go to God's word and we try to see what his, what he says is true. And we start to say, this is what's true about me because I'm a follower of his. And if you are not a follower of his, understand, you're not going to be able to win this battle apart from his power. You're just not. And if you're a follower of Jesus who's not been following Jesus, understand, you're not going to be able to win this battle apart from Jesus. You need to go and pursue him. See, this is, this is what we're called to do, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be probably painful to go down this path. In order for the dentist specialist guy to fix my tooth, um, he had to do what's called a uh, root canal retreatment. Yeah, I know. It's terrible, right? Uh, and, and so they did it not once, but did it twice. Like, did the thing, it's like, you know, and and then he got got me up and like, oh, well, we didn't like that. We need to go back in. I'm like, oh, and did it again. Guess what? Other than distinct pain in my face for 10 days. And like, y'all, tooth pain just ain't like any other pain. It's just different. It just makes you just really, like, life is just, I don't like this, right? And, and it's just terrible. Guess what? They had to dig deep to get to the source of the issue. And that caused some pain. But guess what? Now today, I feel great. I'm fine. I was healed. Guess what? The same is true about our lives in this battle for our mind. You will need to dig deep and you might need to get to a place of pain. Because if it, life is much easier uh, for the short term if we just ignore the lies that we believe and we just let them be over there, we put them under the rug, and we just don't deal with them. But if we are going to want to move forward long term and in, in becoming a more whole person in Jesus, then we have to do this battle. We have to go to those places. We have to dig deep, identify the lies, and wage war on them. So this, this is your homework. Identify the lie, search for the truth, and meditate on the truth. Let that truth that you find that goes against the lie that you believe, let that fill your mind. Because we need to create some new neural pathways 
to where you start to believe what God's word says on autopilot instead of the lies that you believe on autopilot. Imagine if believing what God says was just as automatic in your life as getting in the car and going and driving down the street. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? It takes work. It takes work and you're not gonna, it's not gonna be accomplished by just saying, okay, I heard that sermon. Thanks, Brandon. And then leaving and doing nothing about it. You gotta do the work. You gotta do the work. So identify the lie, search for the truth, and meditate on the truth. And understand, again, there's no shame in getting some help in this endeavor. You may need to talk to someone uh, who you know uh, knows scripture a little bit more than you do. Um, and, and go to them and help them, have them help you navigate what that means. You feel free to contact us, contact us or me or anyone on the staff or the elders. Um, and maybe, just maybe, like, you may need to go to counseling, go to a Christian counselor and let them walk alongside of you and open yourself up to that experience because, again, uh, this is not going to be easy and we can't do it alone. So, church, would you stand? We're going to pray and we're going to sing out to our awesome God as we consider how he can help us fight to let Christ renew our minds. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and the way that you um, have given us your word as truth to cling to, truth to hold on to. And we are so grateful, God, that you didn't just give us some truth to hold on to, but you gave us you to hold on to. So God, I pray that you would help us to cling to you with every fiber in our being, that going down this path, we are not alone. We are not uh, doing this uh, by ourselves, but we can walk alongside of you, God, and you can lead us to where we need to go. God, I pray that as we consider the lies that we believe and consider what you have said to start to wage war on that, God, I pray that you would help us in that. God, please give us the courageous curiosity to go to that place and seek out your truth God, please shape us, guide us, give us grace, give us mercy, and remind us of all the things that you've done. God, you are good. You are perfect. You are worthy of all of our praise and far, far more. God, we love you. We praise you. And and we come to you just wanting to express that right now as we sing together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.